listening to the Crosscutting Concerns podcast. I'm your host, Matt Groves. Please visit the site at crosscuttingconcerns.com where you can subscribe, browse the archives, contact me, read show notes, and leave a comment. I'm recording this podcast on September 7, 2017. My guest today is a software developer at Settled, author of Fast ASP.NET websites and the upcoming book, Progressive Web Apps, both on Manning. Dean Hume, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Well, thanks for being on. So I know what a web app is. Can you tell me what the progressive part means? When I try and explain this, I think the easiest way for me, it helps me too, is to think of it as a bit like giving your website some vitamins or if you wanted to be extreme, some steroids. Up until now, you know, the web's great. It's easy to access. Everyone can get started with it. But one of the downsides of it is that if you're on the go, let's say you have a, a limited internet connection or a slow internet connection for want of a problem, you're stuck. And you know, I've been there before, I'm sure. I'm sure you've been there before too, trying to get to a web page desperately and you just can't. Uh, And this is where the the progressive part comes in. So the idea behind this is you're almost like leveling up your website. Progressive web apps, much like any web page, works on any device. It's just a device that has a browser on it. The site is secure by default and there's some pretty cool things under the hood that let you build for dodgy network connections, for slower network connections. And this is really important if you're building for customers all over the world. You know, I know in the US and the UK and, and some parts of the world, we've got great internet speeds, 3G, 4G. But in some parts of the world, it's not, not always the same. And, and progressive web apps allow you to build that, which is pretty cool. They've also got some other pretty, you know, some decent features in there called push notifications. The same as native apps send push notifications down the wire. Uh, the ability to sync data in the background. And if you were to like, truly explain it, the, the progressive part is also got to do with the progressive enhancement side of things. Say, for example, your user is on uh, an older version of IE and it doesn't support the progressive web app features. That's no problem at all. It just falls back to a normal experience. It's, that's kind of the whole thing with the whole vitamins on giving your site vitamins. What does a progressive web app offer that a native phone app doesn't offer? Progressive web apps, or PWAs, if you want to call them that, they're just made from they made from the fabric of the web. You know, as web developers, that we the things we know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, they're just normal web pages. One of the the benefits of this means that you know search engines can easily discover them. You're accessible anywhere. You don't have to have a specific operating system just to get to this app. Again, with them being HTML pages, it means you you know hopefully you have better penetration throughout the markets. It's easily accessible to anyone on any device, regardless of what OS they're using. And I also think getting started, you know, I've goofed around a little bit with Android apps and a little bit with iOS stuff myself, but getting started is a bit of a a barrier to entry when it comes to learning about these things. And I think because progressive web apps are just HTML and CSS and JavaScript, it means that any developer that has previous knowledge can just get started straight away. You don't need to learn a new language. You don't need to learn anything fancy. And, and funny enough, I actually, I was looking at, I was reading Twitter this morning and I saw a, a tweet about Starbucks and Starbucks are actually, they have an iOS app and they also, they started to build a, a progressive web app. And it turns out the iOS app is 146 megs, but the PWA is 600K. So it's a, it's a pretty big difference, especially if you're trying to get something out there to your users. 
there's also been a, a bit of talk around there amongst device manufacturers that this is a great starting point for devices, you know, not just mobile devices, things like, let's say you, you have a screen on your fridge or you have, uh, I'm just throwing this out there, I don't know, toaster with a screen on it. As long as it's a web, it can handle, it has a browser, the ability to display a browser, it can, you know, it can work offline. When it gains connection, it can sync. Any basic device, internet of things that with a screen can start displaying this, which is pretty cool. You mentioned earlier that progressive web apps can help people with older browsers like IE or uh, maybe mobile devices that are older versions of the OS. But is there any relationship between, let's say, progressive web apps, PWAs, and accessibility for people who have, have vision problems or things like that? I wouldn't say that uh, straight off the bat that progressive web apps give you any extra benefit when it comes to accessibility, but because under the hood they're just plain old HTML pages, if your pages have been marked up correctly and you've built with accessibility in mind, any screen reader can read the content of a progressive web app. Kind of makes it great by default because it's just it's just a web page. Would you say that's an advantage over a native app? Because I'm not familiar with it, but do native apps typically are they accessible? I've never actually even considered checking out the accessibility of native apps. Neither have I until just now. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never really even thought about it. I guess the answer is I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, it's, okay. it's not very helpful. Something to look into. What what does the market think though? I've always thought that there was a bias toward native app stores for for better or worse. Is that changing, do you think? I still think that there is a bias towards native apps. Progressive web apps are gaining traction and it's good to see and it's good to see developers thinking about them as, I wouldn't say alternatives, but as another way of getting their, their projects, their tools out there. I guess the key for me is it's not really about progressive web apps versus native apps. It's You might hear that, that argument thrown around sometimes and I I think it should always really come down to the user at the end of the day. Are the majority of your users people who use, I don't, let's say, iOS apps? Maybe they are. So it would probably make sense for you to build an iOS app in that case. If you're trying to aim to get people regardless of their device and maybe you're not quite sure what they are, maybe a progressive web app is the way to go. I don't really think that progressive web apps were meant to be a replacement, but rather an enhancement to the web. And, and it's just a bonus that they have these great features that kind of align them quite closely with native apps. I do think that progressive web apps are definitely gaining traction. There's some big companies out there right now. You know, you've got Forbes have recently released progressive web app, Twitter Lite, which is pretty cool if you haven't had a look. There's Uber, there's also Lyft, um, and obviously, you know, Starbucks have been messing around with that lately. So in terms of bias towards native app stores, if you were to start up right now and you were to release an app in the app store, it can be pretty hard for it to get found. I mean, there's, there's millions and millions of apps out there. You could probably argue that there's the same for the web, but you know the search engine and the searchability allows you to cast your net a little bit wider. At Settled, the startup that, I'm, that I currently work at, we're a small startup. We rely on VCs and investors, and I was actually speaking to a VC recently. Without a doubt, you know, amongst VCs, the interest in making native applications is, is still very high. Hopefully, as word starts to spread about progressive web apps and what the web can do, fingers crossed we'll get more uptake. Are you building progressive web apps at Settled? And if so, why have you decided to do that? At Settled, you know, we're a, we're a startup. We have limited resources. You know, I head up the engineering team and it would be great for us to be able to, you know, have the amount of resources to be able to say, we want to build for the web and for native, you know, Android, iOS, whatever's out there. Right now, we're pretty flat out building features and we're focusing on the web, which allows us, 
you know, I think personally it allows us to get a lot more done because we're able to get these features out. And, you know, that coupled with the extras that a progressive web app gives you, it gives us gives our users a richer, faster experience. A big part of our offering at Settled is allowing users to access the information on the go. Part of what we do is help people with their properties. So if they want to buy or sell property, if they need to message each other, let's say, for example, they're on a train, uh, they lose connectivity, they can actually still get to the messages just via the web. Can you list some of the most important tools and frameworks that you're using in your progressive web app projects at Settled? It might help a little bit if I start off with our stack. Our stack's actually built just as uh, the main part of our site is a dashboard really where you log into and that's just written with Node.js and it's, and it's Express and we power this with different APIs. We also service over um, HTTPS and we've actually recently switched to HTTP2 which is pretty cool so it gives us a little little bit of a performance boost. On the server side, we aren't really doing anything super special, nothing really fancy under the hood. We just we follow best practices and keep our code as clean as possible. But when it comes to the client side, the progressive web app side of things, our site isn't actually written in a front-end framework. You know, a lot of startups or companies looking to start out building a web app, the first thing they do is dive in with front-end frameworks. We, we actually just wanted to keep things really simple on the front end. So we're really just HTML pages that are rendered server-side. We've, we've gone pretty old school, which isn't that common these days. I think a lot of people like front-end frameworks. This isn't that we don't like it. We've just kind of steered away from it a little. We do use a tool that has been fantastic for us. It's a library called workboxjs.org, if you want to check out uh, the link. It does a lot of the heavy lifting for us, especially when it comes to service our service worker files, which power our progressive web app if we use a lot of repetitive code say with caching or we want to get some files pre-cached as the, the um, web app starts up this does it all for us which is great um, and it's allowed us to develop the progressive web app side of things a lot faster i definitely recommend checking that out we also use a tool in, in google chrome if, if you bring up your developer tools and you head over to the audits tab it's pretty cool there's a, there's a tool in there that lets you audit your app uh, your web app as a whole you know it's got some features in there and it does checks against progressive web app checks if you want to call it that and tells you does this app work offline it gives you a check if it does and a load of things that you can do to make your web app appear more i don't know is the term progressive web appy <laughs> and it, it does a number of other things at the same time you know it, um, it'll run some performance checks some accessibility checks so not only does it give you that that boost of like your app should be doing this with progressive web apps it also tells you some other best practices, which is great. All in all, when it comes to debugging and that, we couldn't live without Visual Studio Code. It's an absolute fantastic IDE. We love it, big part of what we use. It's so, it's so funny that Visual Studio Code came out so recently, but like you, many people are absolutely dependent on it now. Absolutely, it's it's so good. And um, I come from, a, you know, with a fast ASP.NET background, an ASP.NET background, and the switch to, to Node.js and Express and debugging has been unbelievable. It feels like, you know, when you when you spin up a Visual Studio uh, app and it takes a little while to crunch and get going, uh, the feedback loop is, is so quick on, on Visual Studio Code and Node. So You said something that is a little odd, I think, to me, although it probably shouldn't be. You said that <laughs> you're, you're not using any... JavaScript framework. Now you mentioned Workbox.js, so you're using some JavaScript, but you're not using anything like Angular or React or anything like that. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And it's funny because a lot of people think, oh, okay, this is a progressive web app. Surely I need to be using a front-end framework, you know, Angular, React, Vue, whatever it may be. Our page is actually pretty old, 
I mean, the design looks great, but the pages are pretty old school. When we click a button, we post to the server and let the, the server redirect and crunch away in the background. We're not doing any, any fancy single page application, just straight up old school. And one of the reasons we went for this is we wanted to keep things simple. We wanted to also keep it lightweight, especially in terms of mobile device. A lot of our users, actually over 65% of our users come to us via mobile devices. And we wanted to keep things, you know, when they land on a page, we wanted it to be as quick as possible and not have to load a, a chunky front-end framework. This isn't to say we're against front-end frameworks. Front-end frameworks are cool and they definitely have their place. And without a doubt, I'm sure we will use one eventually. But right now, we've almost only used JavaScript to jazz things up, if you know what I mean, to add that extra layer of interactivity without going too overboard on it. So any, anyone listening who has been kind of sick of all the JavaScript framework talk this year, just, just <laughs> know that there's plenty of good companies out there who are not on the bandwagon right now. So that's, that's kind of refreshing here. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I thought about while we we're talking is Progressive Web App runs in, in a browser and there are lots of browsers, lots of different versions out there. Surely testing must be a major headache for you. It does add an extra step on top of the testing. I wouldn't say it's a major step. I have to admit, we're quite lucky it's settled. Uh, a big part of our audience uses more modern browsers, if I could call it that, um, and browsers that support these features. I think the last time we checked, over 80% of the browsers that we use support the, these features. I don't think a lot of companies are in that position. It does make it a little bit easier for us to kind of get back to your original question. It does add a little bit of extra on top, but what you can do is you can, you know, using the developer tools, you can turn on and turn off the code that runs underneath with the service workers. So you can say, you know, look, go via the network all the time or go via the cache and, and the code that's coming through. It's not too intense. It hasn't added too much. I say that now, <laughs> maybe speak to me in six months. <laughs> With your users, if they are completely offline, are they still able to use a progressive web app? And, and then if so, how is the data synced between the offline web app and your backend database? They are able to use progressive web app while they're offline with no connection. So there's, I guess there's two sides of things. The one is being able to just view a page and move between pages. The other part of that, which we haven't quite done yet, we're in the process of doing, is allowing users to actually post information to the server if you, if you think of it like this, you know, you've got a, a thing called a service worker that powers uh, your progressive web app, and it almost is allowed to intercept things. As soon as you need to go to the server, what you can do is use something called a background sync, and this information gets collected, and as soon as the user comes back online, this information gets sent to the server. We haven't implemented that right now. There are lots of progressive web apps out there that have this fully built. You could build a completely offline app. You only need it to sync once every, I don't know, X days, X weeks which is pretty cool. I don't think the web has not been able to do this up until now, which is fantastic. Can you recommend any resources beyond your book, of course, which is going to be on Manning Books, by the way. There'll be a link to that in crosscuttingconcerns.com show notes. Can you recommend any resources for people to learn more about progressive web apps? There's a few. I'm just going to kind of rattle them off, if that's all right. Sure. One of the places that I go to quite often and, and check out the new features is uh, the Google Developers website, and that's just developers.google.com. They also have some great YouTube videos. Now, this isn't to say, you know, I think a lot of the time when people think about progressive web apps, it's not just a Google thing. I also highly recommend the Mozilla website, developer.mozilla.org. They've got loads of great progressive web app stuff in there. Someone out of Microsoft that is constantly pushing progressive web apps is Aaron Gustafsson, and his blog is just aaron-gustafsson.com. Um, and he actually wrote a pretty cool article recently 
that was on uh, list of part about why your app should be a progressive web app. I recommend checking that out. I also try and blog on my own blog about a lot of these things. So deanhume.com, there's loads of different snippets and you can, it's not really sorted in any particular order, but you can check it out and just pick what you like really. A lot of the Chrome team, uh, there's a Chrome developer relations team, the Chrome development team also talk a lot about, you know, progressive web apps um, and they, they're really pushing this, which is great to see. We've got Adel Osmani, Matt Gaunt, and so many more on that team, I recommend, and Jake Archibald, I recommend checking out their blogs. Is there anything else you'd like to promote before we wrap up the show? No, not at all. Thank you. I mean, you briefly you briefly talked about my book coming up next month, which is great. So, you know, thanks for pushing that. And uh, I recommend checking out. It, it's it's kind of a right from basics. So at first, I think a lot of this stuff can seem a bit, a bit scary, like, oh, you know, this is something new that I need to learn. But once you really get down to it, I, I think most web devs will pick this up pretty quickly. My guest today has been Dean Hume. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been awesome. Thank you. This has been the Cross-Cutting Concerns Podcast, produced and recorded by Matt Groves 2017. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you downloaded this podcast. For show notes, please go to crosscuttingconcerns.com. This episode is recorded under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Hosting for this podcast was made possible in part by Microsoft. It was recorded and mixed with the help of Audacity, Skype, and Camtasia Recorder. The theme music is by The Dirty Truckers. You can buy the music on Amazon or iTunes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please go to crosscuttingconcerns.com to submit your name and idea. Did you say crime? What was that word? Crime? Oh, the chrome team. Oh, chrome. The chrome team. Yes, sorry. It's my accent. Uh, Yeah, I apologize. Okay. No, it's all good. I just like the way you pronounce vitamins.